0: You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Sobriety with me, Ari Eastman. I have the hiccups, which you know what you don't want to have when you sit down to record a podcast? The freaking hiccups. So I'm going to do my best to uh, suppress them and... um, I'm doing that thing where you drink water upside down. Is that a hiccup uh, treatment anyone else used to do? When I was a kid and I would get hiccups, my mom would be like, get a cup of water and drink it upside down. So you, how do I describe this? You just would drink it upside down. Like you'd take the cup, you would, instead of the normal way where you would kind of tilt your head back and drink water, you would do the reverse and you would tilt your head forward with the cup and then... Kind of just keep tilting it until you're sort of drinking it. I don't know what it is about getting on podcasts and trying to visually explain things. I've noticed this on so many podcasts I listen to as well. And every time people start visually explaining things and or or literally talking about something that there's a visual component and you're like, excuse me, this is a podcast. Have we all forgotten what a podcast is? So anyway, I digress. Um, That was always my trick for hiccups. I know some people it's like, oh, hold your breath or scare you. Who, who came up with that? What sick fuck came up with that? You have hiccups that are, like, distracting and uncomfortable. Like, after a while, hiccups actually really start to hurt, and they're not a comfortable feeling. So you know what we should do? We should scare the shit out of you. Yeah, that'll help. I don't know what sick fuck introduced that as a treatment option, but they should be jailed. And I don't even believe in, in the American jail system, to be quite honest. So I'm gonna do my best to keep the hiccuping to a minimum, and, you know, whatever. I'm sure it has to do with the 70,000 seltzers I have in a day. But if you are sober from alcohol, if you're in recovery, listen. We need something, and sparkling water it 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 becomes our lifeblood. It is a, a sacred it is a sacred beverage. And does it is it is it maybe like messing with my digestion in some way? I mean, I don't know. Really, is there anything really really bad about a lot of drinking a lot of seltzer? I mean, I'm sure the carbonation is not great i uh I have an addictive personality. I don't do things in uh in moderation i don't I don't do things uh as normies would. Uh, I like something and uh, I want to do this thing again and again and again and again and again and again until it makes me sick and that is something <laughs> I am exploring in therapy. so will I drink so many mineral waters? I give myself hiccups and actually feel like kind of ill? Yes, I will. Is it better than two bottles of wine? Yes, it is. So you know what? Baby steps. (laughs) I actually have been reading more and more about the kind of verbiage and the language that we use in um, recovery spaces, talking about addictions and it's interesting because some people have been pushing back on saying oh well you know it's alcohol use disorder not alcoholism i even was reading that someone said oh like it's not cool to say like an addictive personality and um i am gonna mess up i feel like probably many times on this podcast because i'm not an expert and i really can only speak on my experiences and so I don't always use the right language and I'm also learning the language that like works best for me because and I've said this on this podcast before sometimes I say alcohol use disorder sometimes I say I'm a recovering alcoholic sometimes I say I'm in recovery I think that's probably the term that feels like comfiest to me is to say I'm in recovery Um, obviously I say I'm sober you know yada 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 there's all kinds of words we use to describe ourselves and and there is a push even in medical spaces to kind of what we used to refer to as an alcoholic is someone with alcohol use disorder and I do think I like that label I, I don't find anything wrong with alcoholic or alcoholism in that The stigma that I used to feel or the fear or the shame, I just don't feel it anymore. But I think a lot of people do. And if words are causing um, more pain and more fear and isolating people and not getting them help because they don't want to be associated with a label, then yes, let's find a label that is not as intimidating or that feels, I don't know, you know, more comfortable to identify with so and i don't know if that's like the main reasoning but now it's we're we're really it it, we're seeing more people it's referred to i guess in like clinical settings as alcohol use disorder but i also feel like there is sometimes this discourse or this argument around labels and like who actually gets to be who who gets to call themselves an alcoholic and all this stuff and i think that that is so unhelpful and it's so unproductive and it's like low-key like gatekeeping in recovery spaces where I saw something where someone was like well if you and this by the way let me preface this by saying this might be true this might be like the true definition someone said well if you don't have a physical dependence on alcohol meaning you didn't have to go to detox and you didn't need medical help to get sober then you were not an alcoholic and I saw that and to be honest like I took it a little bit personally because I thought all right well Yeah, no, I didn't have to go to detox. I didn't have a physical dependence, um, but I had a chemical dependence and I sort of don't understand the difference. I didn't need to drink in the morning. You know, I could go a couple days Well, I'd have a bad hangover, but I could go a couple days without drinking and I didn't feel like I was super ill. Once I got past the hangover, then I would feel better. But that doesn't mean I didn't have like, you know, my neural pathways weren't addicted. That doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about it all the time. That wasn't that didn't mean I wasn't jumping through all these mental hoops so that I could drink. I was drinking daily at the end. I wasn't drinking the entire day. I wasn't drinking when I first got up in the morning, but 5 p.m. until I passed out, you know, till I fell asleep, I was drinking. So, um, but yeah, but, but did I go to detox? No. I did talk to a doctor because I am, I have a lot of medical anxiety and I wasn't sure like if this was something I was going to be able to do on my own because it can be dangerous, but Luckily, like every time I went and I got medical tests, like everything was okay, And so, yeah, I did end up kind of like going cold turkey. And I did do it by myself in that I didn't seek medical help. But then I read that and I was like, oh, so my problem was not as severe. And I think that it's just not productive and it's just not worthy of us to kind of label these degrees of what our problem is. Because ultimately, if alcohol is a problem, let's remove the problem. And let's figure out how we can improve our lives. And we don't have to be in competition for like, who was the worst addict? Who was the, who was the real alcoholic? Like whose alcohol use disorder was the worst? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? And in a strange way, it kind of leads me into something that I have been dealing with lately, and that's imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is basically this feeling of self-doubt and personal incompetence that, you know, you are... Tricking everybody that you actually don't deserve the good things in your life. You don't deserve the things you've worked for, you know, maybe in your job. It's like you actually shouldn't be there and you're just waiting for everyone else to catch on to the fact that you're a fraud and you're an imposter and eventually they're going to figure it out. I was recently tagged on Instagram in a list of sober podcasts, recovery based podcasts, and I looked around at the other ones I was listed with, and my imposter syndrome was like, Doot, do, 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 activated, imposter syndrome activated, because I looked at these people, and some podcasts that I listened to, like, it, like Seltzer Squad was among them, and that's one of my favorite sober podcasts that, you know, I listened to before I even got sober, when I was just kind of sober curious, a little bit in denial about my drinking problem, kind of trying to, like, seek stuff out, and I... I had this feeling of, like, gratitude. Like, oh, I'm so glad that this is resonating with people and I'm being included on this list because I am a words of affirmation girl. Like, I want to be told I'm awesome. I want to be told, good job. I want to be you know, pat it on the head. Like it's something that is one of my flaws, how much I like people telling me that I'm doing a good job. When you like really thrive on that, it can make I feel like imposter syndrome pop up a little bit more because I started feeling like I'm not an expert. I'm, you know, I'm only two years sober. I don't go to, um, any, uh, I don't go I don't work any step programs or recovery programs. I'm not I'm not technically in any of them besides like personal therapy. And I really just started to feel like who am I to like be someone other people look to when I don't know shit about my own life still. I'm really still figuring it out. And I know that's what I've said and I and I continue to say that, but I really kind of got in my head where I was like shit like I am not like out here to be a guiding light for anyone because how could I possibly guide anybody like home when I half the time am still stumbling in the dark and not sure why I do the things I do. And yeah, I've stopped hurting myself because I don't drink alcohol anymore, but I hurt myself in other ways. I have other addictive tendencies that I haven't been able to get under control. I spend a lot of money and I watch... TV shows and movies and I put off work and I, something is hard and I decide not to do it. And so I just started to feel, and then this is what happens, right? You start getting into your head being like, oh, like I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. Like everyone's going to figure it out. I have this, I've always fluctuated between kind of imposter syndrome and almost like, almost like a mini God complex in that I do something and I'm like, oh my God, I'm this is so good. I'm so good. Like, you know, and then one person says, oh yeah, you're good at this. And I go, ah, yes, give me my TV show, Netflix. Like, it's just sometimes my thinking can be very delusional. And I kind of always thought imposter syndrome went hand in hand with perfectionism. And I'm not a perfectionist. I am very, very, very far from it. I am not a perfectionist. You know, perfectionism is, in my understanding, marked by, you know, you want everything to be perfect. Sometimes that keeps you from even doing anything there's, you know, you hold yourself to a super, super high standard. I'm not like that. I'll put out, like, I'll I'll record myself singing a half-written song on my shitty guitar that's not tuned and be like, what do you guys think? You know, like, that's not really perfectionist um, activity. You know, I, I'll, I'll put out half-done things. I will... I I will work on something and be like, you know, throw it up to people and be like, yeah. I mean, this podcast (laughs) is proof that I'm not a perfectionist because one day I just said, I think I'll do a podcast. I scribbled my uh, podcast cover art. I like just like, you know, scribbled it up through it. And I said, okay sure, that works. That's good. There you go. Great. So uh, definitely not a perfectionist. Definitely not type A. But I actually found that there are sort of different... Types of imposter syndrome. Um, I found that there are five types. So it said, uh, Dr. Valerie Young describes five main types of imposters in her 2011 book, *The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women: Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It*. This is from a Healthline article. And uh, let's let's do a little game and see which one you think I uh, which one you think I saw myself in. Okay, so the first one you've got is the main one that I sort of uh, associate imposter syndrome with and that is the perfectionist the perfectionist you focus primarily on how you do things often to the point where you demand perfection of yourself in every aspect of life yet since perfection isn't always a realistic goal you can't meet these standards instead of acknowledging the hard work you've put in after completing a task you criticize yourself for small mistakes and feel ashamed of your failure you might even avoid trying new things if you believe you cannot do them perfectly the first time Next up, we have the rugged individualist or soloist. You believe you should be able to handle everything solo. If you can't achieve success independently, you consider yourself unworthy. Asking someone for help or accepting support when it's offered doesn't just mean failing your own high standards. It also means admitting your inadequacies and showing yourself as a failure third the expert before you can consider your work a success you want to learn everything there is to know on the topic you might spend so much time pursuing your quest for more information that you end up having to devote more time to your main task since you believe you should have all of the answers you might consider yourself a fraud or a failure when you can't answer a question or encounter some knowledge that you previously missed the superhero you link competence to your ability to succeed in every role you hold student, friend, employee, or parent. Failing to successfully navigate the demands of these roles simply proves, in your opinion, your inadequacy. To succeed, then, you push yourself to the limit, expanding as much energy as possible in every role. Still, even this maximum effort may not resolve your imposter feelings. You might think, I should be able to do more, or this should be easier. And last, the natural genius. You've spent your life picking up new skills with little effort and believe you should understand new material and processes right away. Your belief that competent people can handle anything with little difficulty leads you to feel like a fraud when you have a hard time. If something doesn't come easily to you or you fail to succeed, you might feel ashamed and embarrassed. Okay, any guesses to the one that I <laughs> relate to? The one I relate to, I kind of feel embarrassed to say because it has such a fricking arrogant title, but it would be the last one, the natural genius, because I <laughs> am a natural genius. <laughs> this has been a reoccurring feeling and theme in my life. It's the idea that certain things come easily to me And I don't know why. It has, in a weird way, led me to feel like a fraud or imposter because, you know, I remember there was a few years ago, I did, there was like a job project. I did it in like 10 minutes. I really put like nothing into it. And then everyone at work was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Oh my God. And I sat there, you know, again, I love affirmations. So I'm sitting there like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed that feeling. But I also felt kind of like, I don't know how to describe. I sort of felt like, but wait, why is everyone so amazingly impressed by this thing that took me no time? And then when stuff like that happens and you feel like, okay, so, oh, this is just like how I work. And honestly, this like kind of, feeling of specialness can happen and it can almost happen in sort of a toxic way of being like oh well no I'm able to just do things I'm able to just snap my fingers and create something amazing and I didn't really have to work at it and everybody thinks it's amazing and then when that doesn't happen and you create something that's just so-so or you really do have to work at something or you work at something and it doesn't really deliver you're like what the fuck I'm the natural genius (laughs) like This isn't right. And that imposter syndrome, too, of feeling like whenever I would get a lot of praise for something that I felt like I just did naturally or something that just didn't require a lot from me or that I didn't perceive as super amazing. And then everyone else was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I would feel like an imposter because My effort wasn't matching their reaction. So I wasn't putting in a shit ton of effort, but they were acting as if I did. And then you feel like an imposter. Oh, they think I did so much for this and I didn't. So you do feel like a fraud, even though you actually created the thing and oh, you know, maybe and all of us have our natural talents. All of us have our things just come to us easier than others. I have a lot of things I'm not good at. Not good with math. Don't ask me to do things with numbers, okay? But when Everyone else is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And you're just kind of like, what? I just, like, did it. Then you're like, oh, shit, am I a fraud? Like, it, it, it's a very confusing feeling. And it is something that has happened to me multiple times. And I think, I think I've think i been, like, kind of struggling with it again lately of feeling like, I don't know, just feeling like I, I want to put so much effort into so many things And then feeling like, well, they should come easy and they have come easy in the past. And why aren't they coming easily now? It's even stupid, but it's like even stuff with like social media. I'll be like, oh, well, everybody loved this thing I did that I just like pulled out of my ass and then I pull something else out of my ass and not everybody likes it. And I'm like, wait, what? And it is this like very like kind of toxic cyclical thing. And I don't really have the answers. Of how to fix it, really. I guess, like, again, therapy. (laughs) And I just feel like I've been kind of like burning myself out in like wanting so much for myself and my life and like wanting praise and wanting accolades and then also feeling like a fraud at the same time and feeling like I'm not deserving of those things, but wanting them, wanting to work for them, not wanting to work for them. It's just a fucking mind fuck. Sorry, sorry for all the expletives, but it's, uh, that's kind of where I've been lately. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I dyed my hair. I dyed my hair last week. What does someone who's having a mental crisis do? They get, they get highlights. They do their hair, you know? And on that note, it's time for... It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pain. That's right. I got some like highlights. (laughs) Sometimes these uh, pink clouds are deep. Sometimes they're not. Um, So the wonderful girl who does my hair, she is uh, she's so amazing. She is like super, super talented with like colors. And she's like really good at like vivid colors. But I found out that um, it's against my work policy to have like crazy hair colors, which is like kind of a bummer. But you know, whatever. I love my job. So We all make sacrifices, but I was like, you know, I, for me, I'm not really connected to hair, chop it off, color it, whatever. It'll, it'll come back. It's just, I'm, I don't, I don't have a lot of identity in my hair other than my bangs. I guess I do feel like strong identity in having bangs because I've had bangs my whole life, but we did like kind of like highlights around my face, almost like a, like a mini little uh, money piece, but a little bit more subtle of like, kind of like a, caramely orangey I actually think it's like kind of great for October because sometimes I look at it and I'm like you remind I remind myself of a pumpkin right now I'm like a pumpkin spice latte and um I'm excited and I think I think at some point in 2022 I'm gonna go blonde not crazy not platinum but I think I'm gonna start doing some more highlights and I think I'm gonna try it out and you know what if it's horrible guess what chop it it back to black and we're back in business baby it's fun to do this kind of stuff I think that like getting tattoos getting piercings getting a new getting trying like a new kind of um, style with your fashion your hair your makeup these are all fun ways for us to play dress up and when we're bored or we're stressed or we whatever it is that's going on we can control that and I think that's why it's so therapeutic has my mental health been on a little fun little mini baby roller coaster with a few little dips, a few little dips, some imposter syndrome dips? Yeah, it has. But I have highlights, so it all evens out. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, and because I took last week off, there will be another episode this week, bonus episode. So uh, tune back in on Friday for another episode. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I love you all so much. You can always leave a five-star rating and review if you like it. Because as I said, I like positive affirmations. And they fuel my imposter syndrome. But I'm like Tinkerbell and I need applause. Or wait, what is Tinkerbell? Oh yeah, you clap for Tinkerbell. For Tinkerbell and Lady Gaga. We live for the applause. All right. Love ya. See you on Friday. Bye, everyone.